Sonic State.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 142. Uh, this will be going live out, well, it is going live today, Wednesday the 19th of August. Uh, if you're in the chat room, um, welcome to you all. We've got a nice uh, big crew in there. And if you're not in the chat room, then come along next week. Well, don't come next week, because actually I've got a week off. But the w- subsequent weeks at 4pm UK time, Sonic State dot com forward slash live and you can uh, enjoy uh, the witty banter and uh, camaraderie that goes along with the the flash chat room and listening to the live recording at the same time assuming <laughs> assuming um, it works for your time zone but anyway welcome one and all uh, we've got um as i said a bit earlier uh, a couple a couple of daves with us this week and it looks like we've got a mark too um so hello and welcome everybody and uh, let's start by introducing uh, mr dave robinson from pro sound news europe who uh, has joined us again and this is your second consecutive week dave all right we- guys, uh, it's happened in uh, i think this is the second time in about six months really two in a row two in a row it's like that- lightning striking isn't it is it is it like the silly season and there's nothing else to do in the, print- <laughs> the world of printed media or <laughs> If only it was. I would love to tell you about, I mean, the silly season maybe, I'd love to tell you about what I went to this morning. I went to the launch of an instrument and uh, there's an embargo, so I can't tell you any more about it until October. But very, very interesting concept in control and um, musicianship. And... uh, there were some interesting people there. We had an interesting discussion. Come October, I think October, the, the, when we do a, a podcast on uh, October the 7th, the Wednesday, I'll be able to tell you a lot more about what I witnessed this morning. But that's, that's quite an advanced teaser there, Dave. I'm sure it is. I mean, two months, it's for, like. Everyone will have forgotten. You <laughs> when laughter. It's, a, it's a bit of a kind of a 2012. It's a, it's a bit of a Toy Story 3 type thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I was I was quite impressed whether okay. it'll it'll stick, whether it'll actually do. You know, controllers have come and gone. I I think of the Notron. I think of well the Tenorion. If you didn't have little boots, then you wouldn't have any. Would you have a profile for that? I don't know. But um, uh, this is this is interesting. This is very very interesting. So so wait and see, kids. Okay, we will we will wait and see. Uh, we'll have to because uh, it's a more than a month away but thank you very much okay well dave um, robinson can be found um amongst other places at uh, prosoundnewseurope.com where he is the uh, the bit e- the editor i am no less i always look forward to your comment section at the beginning of every episode dave and uh, i'm sure the next one will be just as much as fun as the last one <laughs> so thank you dave for joining us and uh, let's go to our other resident dave who is dave spears who had a week off last week because um i think you were holding the fort because uh, chris is on holiday dave spears of course from g4software.com maker of fine software instruments how are you dave i'm okay yeah i'm still holding the fort are you it's how not, long you got to go it's not collapsed yet um oh, blimey until next monday right oh he's gone away god well, we all have to. I'm going away next week. There will be no podcast next week. In fact, there will be a podcast next week. It's I recorded it last night. It was a, a, an hour-long interview with no, no, none other than Jordan Rudess, who was a very interesting and uh, chatty Hang man. Hang on. Is he the uh, keyboard player with Dream Theater? That's certainly right. He is the very man. Oh, he plays keyboards? Yeah, you wouldn't. And he's, has he just developed uh, a new um, um, uh, 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 eye app for the, uh, for the iPhone? He has. You'll yeah. hear all about it next week. Is he yeah. endorsing it? Yes. No, he's, oh, no, he's, he's, de- about it. he's developing it. Uh-huh. He's, uh, well, he's co-developing it. Anyway, so that'll be next week. Uh, next Thursday will be, uh, while I'm away, through the marvels of modern automation, I'll be able to ensure, hopefully, that that'll come up. But there will be no live chat business. Um, uh, and also we have Mark Tinley back again. Uh, you've had a, a prolonged time off, um, uh, enjoying time with your family and having fun doing summary things, I hope, Mark. I have been doing some summary things, yes, I have. Hooray! How are you? Indeed. I'm all right. I've rushed back here from building oily things in a a workshop I've discovered in Biggleswade, a man called uh, Terry who's got this uh, engineering workshop, and I've been making my motorbike today. Oh, brilliant. So I'm very smelly and oily. I could, yeah, so am I, but not for that, that reason. That translates well to um, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I've got a very strong visual image of that, Mark. 
thank you. I've, I'll um, I'll put a link to some photos of it. In oh the yeah, chat please room, do. Actually, and give you Aspergineering.com is where you can find what Mark's been up to. Um, we've just been joined by PJ Tracy uh, from Minneapolis. Uh, PJTracy.com for uh, all your information about Emmy-winning composer PJ Tracy. How are you, PJ? I'm okay. Yourself? Yeah, good. Good. I'm I'm starting to get a bit stir crazy. Tomorrow's my last day, then I'm off on holiday, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, shall we get on and talk about some music tech stuff? Or well, actually, first of all, we should really talk about um well, Les Paul, and I will play you uh, an intro. <laughs> That rather improbable guitar playing was um, Les Paul, which is uh, Lover. Um, I've forgotten the the, the subtitle of that track, but that was his first ever multi-track recording. And, of course, um, the sad news that uh, Les Paul died on August 13th this year, um, age 94. So, I mean, I suppose we can't say um, it was unexpected. I mean, obviously, you know, this is sad, but he had a very full and uh, fulsome and kind of quite amazing life, really. Um, That particular track was, uh, like I say, the first thing that he did uh, in a multi-track vein because uh, he sort of pioneered the concept of multi-tracking but I didn't know this uh, apparently what he did was he recorded it all on acetates to begin with so he'd record himself playing guitar or like a, a band playing then he'd play that back on another thing and, and overdub himself as he went along and apparently while, while he was doing that he um, he got through 500 acetates to make sure he got it right so he was obviously a man who uh, who knew what he wanted but uh, yeah, very sad news, and and really a kind of renaissance man. I mean, multi-track recording, electric guitars. He was also a broadcaster, numerous other things. I mean, incredible individual, really quite amazing. Um, I don't know. Um, obviously, he's been around a lot longer than I have, so I can't be can tell you firsthand of all his great works. But uh, obviously, the Les Paul guitar was named after him, uh, which was made from his first electric guitar, nineteen thirty-nine. Is the first one of the first solid body guitars, uh, and then he cut he teamed up with Gibson um, to make the Les Paul and they, uh, this was a Les Paul standard, then they tweaked the um, the design in 1961 which he didn't like and he was kind of like not so sure about that so they changed the name of it and that became the Gibson SG so yeah uh, uh, lots lots and lots of things that he's done, I mean what we're, where would we be without multi-track recording? I mean it was sort of the beginning really wasn't it? Dave Robinson Well of course um, there's an awful lot to thank him for. It's, it's quite interesting looking at the archive footage of, of him and, I don't know if it was his partner, but is it Anne Ford? Um, that they, that if you search around on um, YouTube, there's, a, there's, a, there's an appearance that he did on a, an entertainment show in the US. Right. And they talk about he's playing 12 guitars and she's singing, and there are twelve recordings of of his. No, Mary Ford. That's right, Mary, Mary Ford. Ford. That's right, yeah, yeah, Mary. And um, she, they sing and play over the top of these multi-track recordings. And the uh, the, the, the studio host is going, "Oh, this is like uh, twenty-four recordings. Yeah, yeah, plus uh, two more recordings. Yeah, fantastic." So they play live on top of these recordings. So they were also the first people who to do live PAs as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so many things that he did. And of course, you know, he played this plank of wood and, and fashioned it into this guitar. And, but I mean, the, 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 maybe other people can talk about the, the whole guitar thing, but certainly in terms of the multi-tracking, what was, what was fascinating for me to see this, this footage was that what he played was, he almost played the same part in unison over what he'd already played 12 times mm. rather than trying to do some fantastic multi-layered guitar extravaganza guitar vocal like, like in the steve reich glenn branker kind of you know symphonic kind of way the concept of music at the time was still very sort of quite primitive so even though he had this technology available to him his performance was still kind of we'll, we'll keep it poppy and keep it you know you can hear the voice you can't really tell yeah yeah, it, that was quite um, that was quite strange, actually. So and, taste and, and in a way, sort well. of, you think you you you're at the cusp of this of this technology, and yet you couldn't see the enormous potential. And I think it was only in the kind of the last chorus where she did like three part harmony, and he had some other 
guitar thing going on underneath, but but never exploited uh, the, the the potential of of that multi layer. It was almost used as a chorus effect instead. So um, yeah, but that was interesting to see. Yeah, no, brilliant, um, Mark. I mean, I know you're into uh, sort of DIY and tinkering things. I mean, he, he must have had an influence on you know where you've got to now surely as well and you're a guitarist so you're perfect to talk about it it did have a massive influence on where i got to actually and um i think there was a guitar a guitar book called the guitar handbook which i bought when i was about 15 and he was mentioned quite a lot in that and the whole concept of multi-tracking was sort of explained in that book so at maybe 14 15 years old i read about this and thought oh i could do that with two cassette recorders and i started off with two cassette recorders just following you know his basic design i suppose or his basic idea of overdubbing because it's great i mean he to be honest i mean when i heard that he he just did that thing where he recorded one recording and then played it back and recorded it onto another one i mean that's sort of it's amazing that I mean, obviously somebody had to be first, but it was amazing that he was, because, I mean, most people must have been doing that kind of thing or thinking about it. It, it was a real, like, eureka moment, but that started, because it's a very different thing to having a multi-head kind of sync and playback head tape machine, but that was the basic, the first moment that that happened. Incredible. How did he get the acetates in time, then, if he was playing multi-track recordings on various well he wasn't acetate. what he did is he, he recorded something so he might have recorded the band onto one acetate put that on another one played it back oh, no i don't mean that i mean in a live context if what dave was saying if he had 12 different versions of this guitar part oh, i must have been on the, well, the master he must have bounced it you know when you end up with the, oh, the, this is a more modern mm. He was it? a very skilled beat master. Yeah, he was the first. He was oh, not only that, he was really good <laughs> on the he wheels of steel DJ. as well. <laughs> wicky, wicky, wicky. Wicker, 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 Les. Yeah. Well, I don't know. PJ, um... I remember the very first time I saw footage of Les Paul. Um, I think it was his... They threw a 70th birthday party for him, so this would have been right around 1984-85. And I was very young, and a friend of mine uh, an older guy who was kind of mentoring me as far as uh, showing me how to use tape recorders and that kind of thing showed me this uh, this videotape of of his 70th birthday party. And aside from having you know every single guitar hero that was prominent at the time, Clapton, David Gilmour, Mark Knopfler, all of these guys up on stage, even Jan Hammer with one of his strap-on keyboard guitar-like deals, you know, playing along with with Les Paul, Les Paul showed this fantastic little device that I've, that I've never seen since. And I, I have to be honest, I haven't gone out and, and done any research. So maybe you guys came across this, but this had to be in the early eighties or mid eighties. He had this tiny little black box that he demonstrated on stage and he attached it to his guitar and he could overdub long loops. So he would record, he would press a button, he would record a part from his guitar and it would come out the PA system, so I'm not exactly sure how he had that wired, but he could then overdub another part, and he would do both what Dave was saying earlier, use it as a glorified chorus device where he's playing the same line over and over, and he would also do counterpoint, and he could get up to eight different parts out of this so tiny he would, little... Wow. He would do the counterpoint thing. He wouldn't actually... Yeah, wow, yeah but cool. the thing that I found fantastic is that this was the mid-80s, and this was a right. tiny device, smaller than, you know, these loop pedals that guitar players are using today. And he had this thing, he called it his black box. And so he was, again, ahead of the curve as far as, you know, that kind of portable looping technology. Uh, number I, think, I think it was... Sorry. Oh, Go, sorry, Dave, yeah. you haven't said anything yet. No, I think it was called the Les Pulverizer. And I think it was a remote. I think it was a remote control. That he oh, is that what it was? There? Strapped to his he, guitar. He got yeah. his marketing right, hadn't he? Straight away. Uh, Les pulverizer. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Les pulverizer. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I, I think it was a remote control for a multi-track, but I believe that he was kind of influential in inventing the the first kind of eight-track thing, wasn't it, with Ampex? I think so. Yeah. I like the story of him because. Um, I knew nothing about him. I knew nothing about guitars. And then all of a sudden at school, you know, how kind of the truth is turned into myth. All of a sudden there's like, there's going to be this thing on TV and it's the guy who invented the guitar. They've missed out the solid body bit and he invented multi-track recording. So I remember being kind of glued to this thing and it turned out to be the Abbott and Costello show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who's on first? Where him, him and Mary were on there doing that 
what's that track? Brazil. Um, well, Brazil. No, I Moonlight. Moon. Moon thing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, was that the one? Was that cost? It was not the fat one. It was the it was the tall one. Was that Costello or Abbott? Abbott. Hey, Abbott. Hey, listen. Hey, I, I, I know Les Paul well, does. Yeah, yeah. Les Paul does deserve a lot of attention from us, but we should move on. A uh, number cruncher says he also Come apparently uh, invented uh, close miking techniques as well. Nick, can I just say, I've had an encounter with Les Paul. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not making this up. In the cutting rooms in New York at the AES show, um, eight, nine years ago, there was was an evening. I mean, the AES is in a couple of weeks' time, and it's in New York again. But uh, there was an evening at the cutting rooms, um, which is, you know, this sort of bar Mm -hmm. down in in, uh, midtown New York. And Les Paul was there, and I couldn't get anywhere near him because he was surrounded by women. All the time, really. All these women, um, you know, around him getting their photos taken. And the man was 84, 85 years old, and still had that kind of rock god kind of um, look. So you talk about having a good innings. Too right, he did. Wow, good for him. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a great piece on, uh, you know, when you announced it on Sonic State. Mm. There's a guy, Vincent Michaels, went on and was talking about how he worked with Les Paul yeah. on a guitar amp design, and I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, and also, I thought what Azio had said was spot on. And he said that he got to play his original solid body guitar. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the log. 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 Yeah. <laughs> the log. Anyway, yeah. well, uh, RIP Les Paul. I'm out of good innings and achieved a heck of a lot. Um, I think I'm going to do an ad now because I think we're going to be a bit stuck for time. So uh, I'm going to say hello and welcome to our first sponsor who are Roland.co.uk. Um, we'd like you and they'd like you to take a look at the Roland Juno DI, which is a kind of it's kind of a beginner's but all-rounder synth at the same time. It's based on the Phantom G engine. There's lots and lots of sounds in there, a thousand great sounds. Um, uh, it's also mobile. You can battery power it. It's got a mic in. Also plays back MP3 player, um, WAVs, AIFs, and standard MIDI files. And really can do an awful lot. Uh, it's got a 61 key, five octave keyboard. And I've reviewed it quite recently, and I really did enjoy it. And I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor. It actually did. I did find it pretty inspiring. Lots of great sounds on there. So please do check it out over at roland.co.uk and we really do thank them for their continued sponsorship. And uh, um, if you do buy one, uh, tell them we sent you and somehow they might find out and um, obviously continue to uh, value us as a vehicle for their message. Right. Uh, well, in that case, uh, let's move straight on to Metasynth. And I've got a demo to play this because uh, Metasynth 5 is here. Just a few sounds there of what uh, the Metasynth appears to be capable of. I have to uh, confess, I have never um, seen or used... I've heard of it a number of times. And it was this is the synthesizer that was uh, devised by software designer Eric Wenger, who was the creator of 3D modelling tool Bryce, which was kind of big back in the day when Photoshop and Kai's Power Tools was all happening. It was a really big big deal, probably 10, 15 years ago. And Metasynth 4, I believe, was originally released in 2006 and is a kind of real stalwart of uh, serious, hardcore sound designers and synthesis. Uh, I don't know if Howard is here in the uh, chat room, but uh, I suspect he might be aware of it. Um, but Metasynth 5 is here, and it comes with uh, universal binary, multiprocessor enabled. Uh, it's got new synthesis method, phase distortion, pulse width modulation, etc. It's got an improved image synth, convolution effects, uh, spectrum manipulation. It can do very big files. It's got mixing file support. It's, it's pretty much um, had a major overhaul uh, there is some talk that perhaps um uh well i'll leave that bit but let, let's see i don't know has anybody had any experience with it uh, in first hand dave spears i suspect you might have had your hands on it at some point i downloaded this i'm sorry i downloaded the demo oh, of this. really how did you get on with Gosh. it uh every th- well yeah it's obviously me and i need a lot more time but um everything sounded like an organ i was quite fascinated with the picture stuff but everything sounded like a kind of granular organ oh, really there must be a technique to it because it is visual isn't it it's very much about sort of uh visualizing musical stuff so uh, people use it to picture a lot for dynamic effects and what have you is that right yeah yeah i mean it's always had a great reputation i mean i have to say 
I mucked about with it for about an hour and a half and probably had about three crashes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that on your was was that like, on your eight mm, core, was it? It was, yeah. Mm. And I kind of went, okay, enough. Maybe I need to study this a little bit more. Okay. Because it may have been me just trying to do silly things. So it's a good get out there, Dave. Yeah. Mm. It's not you, it's me. I don't know, Mark, I suspect you might have come across this as well because you're, uh, you, you know, you're a, like to munge around with sound and do all sorts of crazy stuff. I, yeah, I've got it somewhere. Oh, have you? An old version of it. They did give it to me many years ago. They gave me an endorsement. And then, um, and then it wouldn't work on OS ten. And I rang them up and said, hi, I'm an endorsee. Could you upgrade me? And they said, we don't have any endorsees. We don't give away software. How do you possibly have a copy of it? And that was that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so, stuck ever since. And then you saw uh, a job that looking want for... to spend. It doesn't do six hundred dollars enough of something that I would want to spend six hundred dollars on, and it's something I quite liked experimenting with. But that's actually uh, a good point because uh, there's uh, there was a lot of discussion over at the Create Digital Music thread where this was first announced, uh, which was kind of six hundred bucks for a for a for a synth. That's sort of something that crashes. Well, I mean, wh- yeah, that's that's quite a lot of cash. Um, I, you know, I'm sure there's, there are lots of versions that do work though. I'm sure there are, but I'm just saying, you know, it's quite a lot of cash. I mean, and, and as is being said, it's not really designed to be a mass market thing. It's supposed to be pretty kind of, uh, you know, just something special that you've got to kind of learn about. Um, uh, Howie in the chat room says he's aware of it. Also, John Van Eaton, who's in the chat room, says uh, uh, it's awesome. I've been using it forever. So uh, um, there are people out there that are using it. Um, um, PJ, have you have you come across this? Yes. Uh, years and years ago when I was on the Mac platform, I used this piece of software and i found i found too that it wasn't very stable at least uh in the version that i was using and i i don't recall which uh which iteration of the software that was but it 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 is capable of creating some really really interesting uh timbers uh but but again i mean i think that there are other there are other tools out there these days that compare and compete very nicely with with software such as medicine that are far cheaper well, it is you know, um, obviously quite a big deal. Um, things have changed quite a lot. There's a lot more competition in the kind of, you know, you've got Reactor, you've got other things that are going to be capable yeah. of making some pretty crazy stuff, and it's sort of, yeah, it's going to yep. be an issue. Reactor, Alchemy. Um, I can't remember that synth that Veersyn makes that I played around with. Oh, that yes. Is it that's, Cube? That's right. Yep. Yes, I think you're right. Yep. Well, anyways, worth yep. a mention. I mean, obviously, uh, it's been quite a long time since the last iteration, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a little bit more about it. Uh, perhaps uh, it's it's still going to remain a, a little bit esoteric. Um, I'd say that's probably. Would you describe it as an esoteric thing, Dave Robinson? Have you you studied electronic music? Was it around when you were doing that? I have. It's not. Um, I'm, I've not really nothing of kind of real value to add, but I'm sure if I did, it would be very stable on whatever computer platform I used. Yes, that in a, as a that, sort of balance. Electronic state lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not. It's not Arboretum, is it? it uh, no, it's called UI Software now. I think. Whatever happened to them? Arboretum and was it was it Hyperreal or Hypersynth? Hyperprism. Hyperprism. They just sort of disappeared. I don't know where. I mean, I've been searching for. Because that. that was very graphical. That was all about graphical interface. And I, as I say, I've not used this, and I, I've not had a chance to look at the website. Um, but it, I, 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 I have some distant memories of Arboretum. And yes, I, I think that was. I also think you're b- right in saying the two companies were linked in some way because yeah. I think I got my endorsement for Metasynth through my friend at Arboretum Systems. Right. Yeah, I thought there was something there, but I think the diff- no, I, I think no. they perhaps because um, Arbor- Hypersynth, I remember, was very much based around gesture on the X Y axis. So it was. Yeah, it was all colourful screens. They were all the, very pretty. Uh, from what I remember, they were very much about kind of gesture based over time to picture again yeah. that's for, which is kind of what this sort of uh, highbrow wow well no i'm not gonna start doing impressions oh, because mark will put me into a track <laughs> <laughs> i was listening to that the other day my anyway but you know it's like the cup of is it the chima system yeah i mean fantastic stuff for sound designers and people who've got a lot more time to muck about with uh but that's with, way that's way up the stairs that's a, a whole new ball yeah game that's and, two grand way level up above the yeah that's yeah. Two. You, i know yeah. mark because you're very keen on getting one of those weren't you yeah mm. 
Well, uh, oh, yeah, we'll they just released a new one yeah. as well. Oh, really? Oh, don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't. We'll, we'll all, we'll all have uh, <laughs> sound design I'm waiting, envy. I'm waiting yeah. until you start talking about bikinis and Calvin Harris. We but, could, um, anyway. we could talk about it. But I think first we should talk about sewer in the city because I yeah. just thought this was amazing. So I've got another. Cl- I've got clips for almost everything this week, and here it comes. You're listening to Tunnel Vision, a ten-part series in which me, Bruno and Volokri, leads a collection of writers, musicians, activists and academics through London's sewer system, inviting them to explore the space historically and acoustically. Each week, the series offers listeners a different take on the miles of forgotten Victorian tunnel that stretch beneath London's surface. Careful here. You go bog What? That's two minute road. Where? Oh, that's disgusting. Now, I imagine that's not processing very well down Skype, because <laughs> it's quite a lot of complex sounds. But uh, uh, basically, I'll try and reiterate what uh, you may or may not have heard. Uh, that was producer-presenter Bruno Rinvolicri, who, uh, uh, according to... Who's that? Who, Oh, don't make me say it again, Dave. They duped a collection uh, of writers, musicians, activists and academics into wading knee-deep through swollen rivers of effluvia along the miles of tunnel beneath London. And, <laughs> Why would you do that? Well, Why would you do that? That's a good question. But uh, in that clip, um, at one point he says, oh, you've got loads of toilet roll around your legs. And they, oh, nice. And they realise oh. that what they're walking through is a river acoustic, of human... Acoustic damping. Acoustic... <laughs> Very nice. I, wonder... I like that. Oh. I wonder if they ran into Neil Gaiman down there. I'm not sure who they would have run into, but I, I loved it. I, I mean, even though it was fairly amorphous, had no shape or narrative really, apart from the bit where they finally get out and uh, realise that they, they climb out of a manhole cover somewhere in London, they're not quite sure where it is, or if the manhole cover's in the middle of a road. That's brilliant. Are they drunk? Uh, no, not yet. I expect they had a drink afterwards. And um, it was... And a wash. It was, yes, definitely a wash. I thought it was just a really interesting... V- audio experience because there was so much acoustic information and it just it was interesting it was like a load of students wasn't it really i'll tell you what (laughs) i've got this great idea let's go down the sewer and do some recording but the best bit for me was when they emerged and got (laughs) a lot of police activities (laughs) (laughs) the guy going on about oh yeah suddenly i see yes terrorists and they're probably you know under the city of london or something yeah i think there are certain (laughs) risks kind of um attached to that activity i thought i just thought it was a great idea i mean i think the reason i have an affinity with this is because under bath there are miles and miles of tunnels uh that are sort of built for the uh, in the for the second world war which were kind of uh, huge cavernous uh, storage and ammunition dumps that are now all sort of locked up but they're these massive spaces and there's quite a lot of them all over the place and i just like the idea of going down there and making some recordings and the complexity just the sound of the different spaces when you hear them walking out of a smaller tunnel into something enormous and they go oh let's just check this and he whistles and there's this just it sounds like it's synthesized reverb but it is so massive um and i just i enjoyed it i don't know maybe it's just the um i don't know the perverse in me i did like it it was really good fun it was good fun there's a series of nine of them or ten of them even uh at resonance fm i'll stick the uh i'll stick the link in the show notes i did try and contact bruno um but um i did leave it till about in custody yeah in custody no i left it to about 10 minutes before the podcast so i said you know it was a little bit uh, harsh the contact of paddington's um, paddington Green, yeah. <laughs> i don't know it was a bit he was actually doing the outro wasn't he as the cops were talking to him yeah. <laughs> i wonder what they used if you want to hear any more of these i wanted to find out what they were using to record it as well in a sort of nerdy fashion but it's a nice idea. I mean, it is a nice idea. Go and check it out, though. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's quite a, a fascinating and unusual um, set of podcasts. Right. Police, police camera, Andre. <laughs> yes. Or worse. Right, I'd like to, at this point, uh, and as I know that uh, Loop Masters are in the chat room, I'd like to bring forth uh, LoopMasters.com as our, the next and second sponsor of the podcast. I'm very pleased to have them still aboard. Loop Masters is the number one website and sample CD distributor, and they're dedicated to bringing you the most inspirational collections of royalty-free sounds. They've got lots of stuff there. It's not just loops and beats. It's all sorts of other sounds. There's strings, there's basses, there's all sorts of things. And in fact, um, we've got a couple of uh, packs that I've put together into one download, which is Minimal Synthetic by 
by uh, Felix Bernhardt and Disco Drops by the uh, incredible Keith LeBlanc, who is, uh, a, a, well, we know we all know about Keith LeBlanc, Sugar Hill Gang and all that. 45 meg download. All you've got to do is email free stuff at sonicstate.com and uh, check out the Loop Masters latest sample packs. Um, we also give the opportunity to sign up for their n- email newsletter, which obviously if you do that, it makes us look good and makes them happy and keeps the whole thing rolling nicely. But loopmasters.com, um, they've got a lot of stuff that comes out on regular basis. They've got the top producers, lots of big names, lots of formats. Please do check them out. And while you're at it, um, take a look at their looptv.net because they have a monthly or so podcast, video podcast, which uh, they have uh, interviews with various people. This month is Adam Friedland and he's talking about his core LP and life on the road because he's now on tour. And Rob Jones tells us uh, all there is to know about the vocoder in Live 8. And incidentally, all the video has been recompressed and reflashed for a, a, a more wonderful viewing experience. So please do check out loopmasters.com, looptv.net. And if you want the free stuff, email free stuff at sonicstate.com. Okay, well, that's the ads done with. Um, shall we leap ahead? B- girls, bikinis, conductive paint. No, what well, more do you one need? Second. Sorry, Nick. I just, uh, you, you, uh, in your original kind of uh, uh, list, you mentioned uh, talking about gigs underground and what's the, the strangest place we've ever done a gig. Oh, of course. I forgot that. So go on then, well, Dave. <laughs> well, uh, this, is, this is what was so fascinating to me because um, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Chris, he lives in Denmark. He lives in Copenhagen. And there are, there are bunkers in Copenhagen which were designed for, you know, uh, during the Second World War as, uh, as bomb bunkers. And uh, when I visited him about nine years ago, he was telling me how he'd um, got this gig in a bunker at the hospital. And uh, there was this bizarre... I mean, life's very different in Denmark, as I'm sure we know. They're all very tall and all very beautiful. And they, they take their bikes and ride everywhere. Um, there was this gig at sort of one o'clock in the morning, and everybody cycled there, went down this kind of stepladder into this um, three underground dome, which were effectively, uh, you know, World War II bunkers. And um, they had a kind of a chill-out room in, in the one dome. Probably, um, I don't know, about 30 feet across, maybe a bit less than that. Um, it could hold about, you know, uh, 20, 30, 40 people, something like that. So there was the chill-out room, there was the bar room, and then there was the, kind of the, the gig room. And he had been asked to do this, uh, this gig in this World War II bunker um, under the ground in this hospital in Copenhagen and I was visiting him so he said come along bring your base station and uh, you can you can play along to my um, SB202 if you remember that the boss you know, um, <laughs> four by four, yeah SB202 and he got an MC I think it was a, either a 505 or a 303 so he created his tracks and I got um, my base station with um a zoom effect pedal with a bit of delay on it and sort of we had a bit of rehearsal in the afternoon and went down and did this gig at three o'clock in the morning um we were called C Red, C Dash R E D, and we played to about thirty people. And um, you know, it's not exactly uh, Glastonbury, but uh, we we did this kind of almost impromptu sort of techno type set um, at three o'clock in the morning to these Danish people, and it was the it was the most amazing thing. It was the most. I mean, we weren't particularly good, but we managed to hold it together. And afterwards, people say, "Oh, well, you know, where can we see you again?" I said, "Well, oh, never, frankly." That was a one-off. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, and it was it was quite an amazing venue, and it's still kind of one of those just amazing things that, I, that I've done that will never to be repeated. And it probably sounded, if it was recorded and played back, it would sound absolutely awful. But, but, you know, at the time, it just seemed the most amazing thing to do, and all these kind of very nice Danish people nodding and, oh, thank you very much. So um, this is why the, the sewer thing was particularly resonant for me. Didn't have, um, any, uh, so, didn't know, have any rivers of effluent flowing past your feet? Well, no, it was completely dry. And, and the fact that it was just that whoever it was who organised the party had got benches in there and candles and booze. And, but it's also very civilised in Denmark. I mean, we should all go and live there, uh, frankly. I'd, I'd try it. Anyway, I did review a, Den- a Danish synthesiser quite recently, the uh, De Moon, which... Um, which I found more difficult to get along with, but I'll leave it at that, but you can check that out later. I have been plugging it regularly. Oh, the one you slagged off the other week? Uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> that's the one, that's one last I, week you slagged off. That's one way of putting it, I suppose. Yeah. I thought I was as diplomatic as I possibly could So you're be. critical of it? I was critical. PJ, where's the weirdest place you've ever played them? Weirdest place? I played in a lot of weird places. Uh, 
empty swimming pools uh, a couple times. Um, the hayloft. If they weren't, hold on, PJ. If they were, if they weren't empty, then yep. you know you'd be electrically dead, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's true. Uh, that theoretically, yeah, I would be. Um, a hayloft in a big equestrian barn. Um, when I was in high school, my band played at a string of gas station openings in very, very cold weather. I don't know how we got hooked up to that. But the most interesting place for me that I played at was um, we have a, a local art institute and they do an annual fundraiser and uh, they invite all the prettiest and most important and influential and subsequently wealthy folks in uh, Minneapolis to attend. And uh, so a guy that I know who's a promoter put together a band and it was me and uh, Michael Bland, Sonny Thompson and Mike Scott from Prince's band at the time. Um, And we played on the mezzanine in the art Institute in between the 18th century classic classical painters and the ancient Egyptian sculptures. So it was just amazing. Yeah. And it sounded really good in there too. The weirdest place I ever played was um, in in Berlin. There's a giant uh, central bus depot, which is a building about the size of I don't know a couple of football pitches, with all pretty much all concrete. And um, I got to the gig. I was uh, doing the sound for a band called the Federation, who are a ten piece sort of jazz funk outfit. You know, quite tight sort of uh, and you know complicated music in places. And they set the PA up. Well, they didn't actually set the PA up. They just said, "Here it is," and I had to kind of just construct the PA, figure out how to EQ it, and set it up for a room that basically had about twenty five seconds of reverb across all frequencies. And uh, it was the worst gig of my entire life. Although it was a very strange place because the place was uh, amid, in various corners where all these kind of uh, 1940s, 1950s, 60s old buses with kind of dusty windows. I guess it very much, Dave, like um, like um, there's uh, a place that you know which is full of kind of old buses and things. <laughs> but perhaps Simpsons a, a lot bigger. And all I remember is uh, it sounded terrible and then they kept having power cuts all the way through, uh, which thankfully was uh, quite a release uh, from my part because it meant i didn't have to cope with the the dreadful acoustics and it was almost important you know you go, you go sound check and it would be bass drum and it would just go like that i just never stopped it was awful hated it surely nick um a 10-piece jazz funk outfit they're going to sound terrible even before they start they playing were very popular they were doing a tour of germany they're very big over there at the time mm. they bring the wall down uh the wall was already down oh, i was going to say because people on the other side of the wall were going what's that bloody noise Hold on, Mark. I, I'm not sure if uh, uh, Mark. Are you are you still with us? I'm not sure. You just said hi. I am I, still here. Yeah. Ah, you, what was the weirdest I've place you played? The strangest place I've ever played was at the Sex Maniacs Ball. Okay, you win. <laughs> and there were there were people. You know those. They put a person in a box and they've got handles on it, and they have a person at the front and the back carrying them around, and but. As well as that, they have like grope holes in these boxes. Uh, so people can put their hands in and fondle uh, things. And stuff. Loads of people in rubber, and there was lots of blancmange from what I remember. Wow! What living on the ceiling? Yeah, they're probably everywhere. Actually, it was in my trousers, but I'd better not tell you about that. <laughs> oh <dear>. Okay. <laughs> now, this is getting a bit more. I think it was a good cause. I think it's a shame that they stopped it actually, because it was sort of it was a bit. The theme was a little bit S and M, but the um the whole a little bit the whole idea of it was to help disabled people with sexuality, and I think that that is a good cause. So well, I, I it has a positive and a positive. Yeah, um, JV uh, J- John Van Eaton says uh, he played a Winter Olympics outdoor stage in Salt Lake City, and that gig sucked. Um, Salt Lake City in the winter. I don't know what that'd be like. It'd be very cold, I'd imagine. Um, let's move on because we got a couple of topics. Hold on, hold oh, on, Dave, hold I'm on. sorry. Dave has something to say. Sorry, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not emceeing very well today. It's because I know I'm going on holiday really soon, and I'm just. I can't be bothered. I don't know. It's a good one. So ask me the question again. So, Dave, what's the strangest place you've ever played? A hospice. A hospice. <laughs> okay. Did you have to be really, really quiet? <laughs> no, I'll tell you a really terrible story, right? A friend of mine's got a band, and they are called Lucky to Be Alive. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. This is, no. This is the, uh, 
it's, it's sort of painfully uncomfortable but also very funny at the same time okay right <laughs> quickly go. then uh, we've got um, a, a little bit more time left and uh, we've got girls bikinis conductive paint what more would you need uh, or I'm, I'm going to have to skip Tesla because I didn't do research or contact player which do you want first girls bikinis girls bikinis oh. conductive paint okay uh, here it comes hi this is Calvin hi so join me on the set of my first ever human synthesizer, I like to call it the humanthesizer. The human synth was something that the, 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 the flesh and bones were sent to me by a team of boffins, and um, I took the boffins' ideas and uh, decided it should be done by attractive women. And this is me introducing you to the different elements of the humanthesizer, starting with the piano. There you go, there's some piano, this is the drums. There's the drums. Here we have the bass. There we go, this is quite nice, actually, yeah. And uh, over here we have the uh, trancey key kind of riff going on here. Let's see. Bit of that. Bit of this. And also a bit of that. And let's see what happens. Three, two, one. Well, what do you think of that? I was—I must admit, the first thing I would say is uh, that that's obviously Calvin Harris, who is the man of the moment, um, can't seems to be able to do no wrong, and that was a, a, a great headline grabber. Fifteen pretty gorgeous girls in bikinis, covered in conductive paint at various parts of their body that you have to touch and um, trigger each other to recreate um, the Calvin Harris "Get Ready for the Weekend" uh, track. Um, and one, the first thing I want to say is, weren't those girls on the drums just so in time? I was amazed. I can't believe that they were so spot on. I mean, they must have pr- practiced for ages, or perhaps it was a con. Did you see their? Did you see their paradiddles? <laughs> Repeatedly, I, I kept fast forwarding and rewinding for that bit. Um, what do you think then? It's a good idea, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, great, great concept. Dave Spears, what do you think? Is he? He seems like a really nice guy. I've heard him on in, interviewed a couple of times, and he's got some great, um, some great ideas. I mean, I'm not sure about all of his music being great, but that was a that was a that was a kind of great publicity stunt. Yeah, I know very little about him, but I thought this was a very, 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 very good idea. <laughs> I wanted something. I want to see more of that. Yeah, Mister A and R man, I've got this idea. I wonder what yeah. it, I, I reckon it must have been, um, you know, hooked up to some sort of trigger to MIDI thing, and you know they were just firing off live or something. Or, I, I'm not sure. Anyway, but who cares? Who cares? It's girls in bikinis yeah. playing music in time. Uh, Rich C says, "Connect those girls to a kit from Maplin." I I would second that. That sounds like a great idea. And you have to have the right adapter to plug them in. <laughs> that the the chat room is full of this kind of smut, <laughs> as you can imagine, which is pretty much the only reason I included it. Uh, but anyway, uh, let me just say the the instrument consists of thirty four pads on the floor, which have been painted with a conductive ink and connected to a computer via some clever custom electronics. The performers stand on the pads, touch hands to complete the circuit and trigger the sound. So there you go. The project is the result of a collaboration with Calvin Harris and master students from the Royal College of Arts Industrial Design Engineering Programme. I, I wonder if they're in the band. I've heard the album. What, the Calvin Harris album? Yeah. No, I've heard uh, good reports about it. Apparently it's got some great vocals on it. It's got some, it's getting some mixed, you know, that obviously um, not alone and ready for the weekend. I'm getting some good reviews, but I, I've read some mixed reviews. I mean, he's like the new Milo, isn't he? The new savoury of pop music. Is that and right? I hope it's good. I, yeah. I saw him playing at Somerset House a couple of weeks ago and a fantastic live set. Really? And, you know, really kind of like, um, since he played two years ago uh, for the um, I Created Disco album, he's really kind of souped up into a kind of a, a really fat um, dance sound. Um, and, you know, and a great, great performance. And I've yet to, yet to see what the album's all about, but... Um, I'll have to check it out, but I mean, now lots more people are going to know about it because of this. Uh, Mark Tinney, I suspect you'd probably like to uh, have a go on this particular kind of synthesizer. I didn't like some of the girls' feet, actually. Really? You didn't like them, or you did like them? Sorry. Yeah, that that put me off as well. (laughs) Okay. I can't do. I can't be doing with gnarly toes. Really? Too many, too many toes, Mister Mozart. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, each to their own. I mean, that's a fair enough comment. So, I mean, maybe um, you could. uh, Well, you'd actually have to select the uh, the instruments constituents by by their feet. Well, yeah, I don't think these these instruments would have got through the. The Duran Duran filter. Nick would never have chosen these models. I can guarantee it. <laughs> right, okay. P. 
PJ, fancy go on this humanthesizer? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'll add another very to Dave's very, 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 very good idea. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. a great piece of publicity. Um, check it out. There's a news item, and I'm sure there'll be more to go. But it's it's all done in kind of good. It's not actually smutty. We're the people who've made it smutty. It was done oh. very tastefully. So uh, shame on us. But what can you expect? I mean, you know. That's what we, that's what we do. So um, now let's take a listen to. Um, uh, oh, I've forgotten to put it in again. Have I said Calvin Harris to the model? Sorry, uh, one four. One, I, hold on, a minute. I'm just going to try and find. I got this clip which I know I really want to play because I, I it was actually quite a, a nice sound. So let me just see if I can find it quick. Talk episodes. Oh, there we go. Number 141. That's why I've done it. I named it wrong. So this is Contact, um, which is obviously uh, some more news. So I'm going to play this clip, um, and then we can... This will probably be our last news item, so here we go. So that's a bit of um, the demo page from the Contact 3 player, which uh, Native Instruments have now released uh, a version of the Contact player version 3. Um, it's kind of like the core player, I guess, but it kind of gives you functionality of the sample uh, of the, the actual sampler itself, and you can load a load of um, sound packs in it. And that was something called Evolve Mutations, which is uh, two gigabytes of pre-programmed sound. And when I was checking it out, the reason this made it into the piece was... I thought it was an absolutely brilliant demo. I don't know who does their demos, but they are spot on the money. I thought that was really, really good. Um, or, or was it just me? I don't know. Dave Spears, you probably hear this thing all the time, and you probably think it was average. What did you make of it? Uh, I didn't hear it, <laughs> other than that you played me. But bizarrely enough, as we've been speaking, can you hear I'm opening a box here, and it is Contact 3 that's just turned up. Really? Literally, as we were speaking. There you go. Oh, but is it the Contact Player or Contact 3... Contact 3.5, it should be. Oh, I don't know. It's just turned up in a box that says Contact 3. Oh, well, good for you. I'm very happy anyway, for you. There you go. Bit of envy there going on down the chat. A bit of what? Envy? Yeah, a bit of contact envy. Contact um, envy. Dave Robinson, you were keen. You thought it sounded quite good. Were you kind of impressed with the muta- Evolve Mutations pack? Uh, I thought it sounded very nice. See, I'm, I'm, uh, I like what Native are doing. They're um, you know, 10 years as a developer of... Uh, Sounds and software, and they've, uh, you know, good luck to them. But um, more than that, I'm. I can't really say. It's very interesting, though, that almost what they're doing now is kind of making the software component almost free and selling the sounds. So it's effectively, you know, you're getting the functionality, certainly not not all the editing and all the sampling of Contact play, uh, the Contact itself, but you're getting in a player form in the same that there was the free core player, but this sort of takes it a little bit further and um, gives you a, a lot more access to, you know, I guess multi-outputs. It's VST, AURT support and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know, what, what do you think? think about um about it pj you're kind of always on the search for good sounds is this something that you can see i don't do you have contact yourself or would you be i no, i do and and but here's here's the thing with this i think it's a brilliant idea in native instruments part because they license that front end to third-party distributors that are already using that as the player for their massive sample libraries and there's uh you know unique scripting that you can do within that within that particular program and i and i think that uh they're just taking advantage of people's familiarity with the with an already ubiquitous product and like you say selling sounds for it so i think i think it's a really good idea and as far as who produced that demo my guess would be nick that it was uh heaviosity which are the developers that produce that pack okay evolve patients pack if you go to heaviosity.com the uh the parent product that they uh that they sell there is is called Evolve, and it's a huge, it's a massive sample library, like eight gigabytes of those of those types of sounds um, that utilize the Contact Player as its as its front end. And there are probably twenty five demos on their website that are that sound exactly like the one you just played. 
Mm, I like the sound of their stuff. I mean, but aren't we getting to the situation where why would you bother buying Contact? Because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, do you program in it very much or are you just kind of using it more of as a playback thing? I do. Yeah, I program oh, okay. it. Okay. But, but I don't know. I don't know what people are using it for, but yeah, I mean, I do a lot of sampling. So, so um, the core player, let's have a look. A uh, free professional sampler player based on the industry standard uh, Contact 3.5, 64-bit memory addressing for Vista 64, uh, and a newly created memory server feature for OS X, advanced multiprocess support for up to 16 cores, improved performance through new direct-to-disk engine, sound library can be expanded with any contact-powered instrument or third-party powered by contact, uh, redesigned library browser, uh, blah 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 high end effects uh, blah 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 yeah you could just buy the sound packs from 49 to 99 bucks in fact that the Evolve Mutations is 119 bucks for 2 gigabytes and it does sound real good very filmic and very kind of happening that way Mark are you a contact user or will you be uh, taking a look at the contact <laughs> player I downloaded it but I haven't installed it yet I'd, I was going to buy something by Native Instruments and I can't remember what it was now I'm not sure that it was contact, but I'm going to download this because I think it's probably a useful thing to have sitting there, isn't it? I would think so, yeah. Um, it's an interesting evolution that they're kind of becoming, a, almost becoming like a sound house, really, now. Um, and the best of all their packs and what have you. It just seems like a, an interesting shift. And one that makes sense because, you know, their sounds often, you know, they do come with a lot of presets and it makes makes a... What is the thing that comes... As a software and hardware unit, what's that? That's core, the core play, the core. core, Yeah, that's what I was going to buy. Yeah, does that have contact built into it? Um, No, I don't think so. I think it just will. It has the contact engine Uh, in it, but you don't you don't have access to to contact itself. Only some some limited functionality. You know, limited. I mean, once upon a time, for me, Native Instruments made a synthesizer, didn't they? Called Reactor, was it? Yes, they still do, don't they? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and then it just got so complicated that when I go to their website now, I'm completely overloaded by their products and don't really understand what they make anymore. So to be honest, I don't buy anything from them because it's there's too much confusion as to where these things overlap. I mean, if That's Core it. has contact built into it, then what's that? Do I need to buy that as well? Or what do I buy? I don't know what to do anymore. I'm confused. Core is a very confusing product, It's but for a lot of people, it seems. But essentially what it is, is it's a host uh, for several of their engines. Uh, Contact is one of them. Reactor is another one of them. Absinthe's engine is in there. And if you own those programs individually, you're able to open them up inside of Core, as well as host other VST or AU uh, right. you know, or... or our task plugins, I guess, in inside of Core, so you can create a gigantic, you know, modular environment inside of Core, and you can run it external of a sequencer or internal of a sequencer, and also uh, with the hardware or without it, they sell a software only version. Very well, so that's very is, well put. PJ. That sounds like why I wanted to buy it. Actually, I think very well, very well um, summarized there, PJ. I, far better than I could have done. But this is how you continue to grow your interest in your product i mean from, from what i've just I'm, I'm not a user but if you're saying it's confusing and they brought something in they brought some actual content they brought some voices you want people to continue to uh to have enthusiasm for your product then you, you're going to um, produce things like this uh, mutations package and to, to keep people interested in the same way as i guess you know um the reason has its has its refills mm. different variations so that that people keep coming back to it and and it, it keeps the name um uh, up there and you're kind of oh yeah I'm going to use that and it's a new set of sounds and what are they doing uh, what are they doing this month what are they doing this six months it's uh, the way see to how that them. doesn't have any appeal to me whatsoever because what has appeal for me I, I, I know that the core to not deliberately using their metaphor but all of the, the sounds I would use in music production are already out there in some form or another so they've got to do something around in the world Mark, they've got to do something haven't they they've got to they've got to do something to uh but if I back. find a noise that sounds interesting to me, I will then go and record it and utilize it in my music in some way. And the easiest way to use it is to just simply cut and paste it into Pro Tools and play around with a whole load of plugins. So that's one way of creating a sound. Mm. But then moving on from that, if I want to do a little bit more to it, then I would want some kind of synthesis engine I could throw it into and then play around with it on a keyboard. And... Where, so yeah, what, none of these players are really going to 
do that. They're be not going to do that for you. Yeah. Useful well, for you me need. For it doing. sounds like you need contact the full version anyway. But I think I do. I think yeah. you're right. It's a little bit confusing. Um, but uh, um, the one thing that I will say, I remember because I I took a look at the core player, the free core player, and I got uh, access to a load of the sample packs, and they do sound great. The drums are brilliant. You know, the, the, all the battery banks and everything. I mean, the and the reactor drums. It's really worth getting hold of because they they do do that incredibly well. And um, I've not heard anybody else with quite the same quality of consistent and usable drum sounds that also have got a character but you can put in there but that's just my two pennies worth but you can that's from battery is yeah it? from battery and, is that a different product yes another one again but you can play yeah. the drum machine yeah. essentially yeah machine yeah. is great as well yes well i like yeah. the idea of buying machine pack for uh, the contact free player that's what i want to get because uh, that sounds like a good of a good one for me because i like their drum sounds i think they're really good so i really PJ, hope that they release I- just a- oh i'm sorry I, I just wanted to ask you a question, PJ. So I've got the contact player, uh, and I use the virtual grand piano and the Garrettan stuff and whatnot within that. Okay. With with this new three point five thing, if I download that and the sounds, that will then incorporate my uh, virtual grand piano and Garrettan stuff. Yeah, that would be in there, as it were. Or do Boy, I? Boy, I, on- I honestly don't know the answer to that. I think you okay. can load those patches within Contact. Yes, I think that's how it works, and you get. I think you get access to. A more granularity, but I, yeah, you're right, absolutely, Mark. I think you pinpointed it. We're none of us are really sure, and we probably should know because we work in this area. So if we don't, if we're not clear about it, then what what hope does uh, everybody else have? I suppose. Dave is is Garrett Garrett not using his own aria player for for his grand piano? He's Uh, he's still tech player for that. I don't know. To be honest, I've got the. What's his name? Hans, a great guy, Swedish guy, whatever. Um, the virtual grand piano, and I know, I know that works within Contact Player. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. personal orchestra. Oh, the personal orchestra, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The guy Hans uh, does. Uh, is that Art Vista? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. Hmm. Well, guys, uh, and everybody. Somebody's just made the point in the chat room or a little while ago yeah. that the ASR10 still rocks, and I have to say, I totally agree. <laughs> what the Sonic ASR10. Oh. Now, why doesn't why isn't someone out there making synth plug-in versions of these with big screens so that we can use those synth engines from a little while back, like the TS-10 and the ASR-10 and things like the Kurzweil K2000? Why can't I have an all-software well, version I think that? partly because those companies are not really developing synthesizers with that older technology. Um, maybe if they had more... Um, support and more people were kind of saying this is what I want maybe they would but I mean it's it's market and it's probably going to take them a little while to put resources into it. I mean Dave would know about Dave Robinson uh, sorry Dave Spears would know about that he is a software developer but yeah I think that's probably why yeah right. um Guys, it's been a pleasure. I've got a dash because my car is parked in a car park that is a little further away than usual, and it runs out in a few minutes, and I'm, I, I may well end up with a ticket. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. I'm going to go to the toilet, but I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's what comes from drinking before you actually join us on the podcast. <laughs> isn't it? You've done very well. I'm impressed with you. Thanks very much. Uh, Dave, I'll set that, but I will tell you, I, in that case, you get to go first. So uh, thank you very much, Dave All Robinson right, from ProSignNewsEurope.com. Pro uh, we'll see you uh, again soon. Thank you, Dave. Bye-bye. And, um, and the um, rest of us, the rest of, us uh, of course, uh, thank you also very much. Uh, Dave Spears from GeForceSoftware.com. I really appreciate you coming along. Nice to hear your voice again. Thank you. Great fun. And PJ Tracy, um, and you too. Uh, you've kind of been busy, haven't you? So, um, so it's nice to have you. I guess you're probably going to you were going to go on holiday at the end of August, which is exactly what I'm going to do day after tomorrow. Yeah, I actually went at the beginning of the month. Ah, yeah, so that's so. where you were. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh well, yep. I, I, the first. The- the first week in August. Oh, lovely. Well, I'm glad you had a nice holiday. I'm looking forward to mine. So thank you very much. PJTracyMusic.com. Check out what PJ's up to. Thank you. And Mark Tinley, uh, also for joining us. Thank you for coming back. And uh, Are we going to see you on a more regular basis now? Are you sort of freed up and uh, available these yeah, days? Yeah, uh, I've returned those two older children to Scotland. Uh-huh. Um, and my youngest child is starting school in September. I don't know what oh, yes, that means of in terms of four o'clock. Yeah, Does that's that going to be a nightmare. What time do they finish school? Three o'clock. Probably that time. Yeah, I three. Expect. So you'll be, uh, yes, kicking leaves along uh, on the way back home from school at that point, perhaps. Well, we'll I'm sure we can work Well, no, because I've got to drive to school because we're sending him to a school which is seven miles away because the local ones aren't so hot. Ah, okay. Well, we, we, so, um, maybe we'll I see you then. might be back by four o'clock. Let's see. Great. Well, thanks Great for joining us. Aspergineering.com for all your mark needs. And um, have I said to Dave, have, have, I, have I said goodbye to everybody? 
Brilliant. Well, next week um, we won't be recording live, uh, but there is a uh, an hour long interview. I've uh, f- just finished editing with Jordan Rudess. In- incidentally, I used um, the Samsung Go mic, which is a little USB clip on thing, um, and that was really good. I've managed to do a pretty good sounding interview at home, and I've changed back to editing in. Uh, Logic, because I figured I had to do shuffle and ripple editing in Logic, and it's made it much, much easier, and, uh, and it means I don't have to boot Vista and Bootcamp, which seems to, for some reason, got really, really slow and takes me half an hour just to get any sound out of it, which is really annoying. So anyway, um, you'll be able to hear the benefits of that in next week's podcast, uh, which will be 143. Thank you, everybody, for joining us in the chat room. Uh, Red Walks, Rich C, Howie, uh, Red, everybody, uh, John Van Eaton... Always good to see you all there. Hope you've had a good time. Uh, obviously, a transcript will be available with this tomorrow on iTunes in the usual fashion. So that was Sonic Talk number 142, uh, brought to you by roland.co.uk and the Juno DI and loopmasters.com. Mm-hmm.